Hello and welcome to Touching Success. My name is Joy and this podcast is as much as I can get into it about special education and about all of the different facets of it. From time to time you may be hearing some racket going on in the background. That would be my two birds. One's name is Sterling and one's name is Jojo and they like to keep me company while I'm working and so I just wanted to warn you. You hear some squeaking or maybe you can hear them eating their food or throwing their food. All those different things that come along with being with a pet. That being said, let's get on to the topic. This is a poem that was handed out in one of my grad classes and I've never forgotten it and I always try to keep it in mind when I'm writing IEP goals. I want to share it with you for just such a reason. The name of the poem is My Other Brother Daryl and it comes from The Cutting Edge in October 1987. 18 years old, moderately severe handicapped, been in school for 12 years, never been served in any setting other than in elementary school. He has had a number of years of individualized instruction. He has learned to do a lot of things. Dale can now do lots of things he couldn't do before. He can put a hundred pegs in a board in less than 10 minutes while in his seat with 95% accuracy. But he can't put a quarter in a vending machine. Upon command, he can touch his nose, shoulder, leg, foot, hair, air. He's still working on wrist, ankle, and hips, but he can't blow his nose when needed. He can do a 12-piece big bird puzzle with 100% accuracy and colors and Easter Bunny and stays in the lines. But he prefers music but was never taught how to use a radio or a record player. He can now fold primary paper in house and even quarters, but he can't fold his clothes. He can sort socks by color, up to 10 different colors, but he can't sort his clothes, whites from colors for washing. He can play Play-Doh and make wonderful clay snakes but he can't roll bread dough and cut out biscuits. He can string beads in alternating colors and match it to a pattern on a DLM card, but he can't lace his shoes. He can sing his ABCs and tell me names of all the letters of the alphabet when presented on a card in uppercase with 80% accuracy, but he can't tell men's room from ladies when we go to McDonald's. He can be told it's cloudy and rainy and take a black felt cloud and put it on the day of the week on an enlarged calendar without assistance, but he still goes out in the rain without a raincoat or a hat. He can identify with 100% accuracy 100 different Peabody picture cards by pointing, but he can't order a hamburger by pointing to a picture or gesturing. He can walk on a balance beam forward, sideways, and backwards but he can't walk up the steps or bleachers unassisted in the gym or go to a basketball game. He can count to 100 by rote memory, but he doesn't know how many dollars to pay the waitress for two fifty nine McDonald's coupon special. He can put a cube in the box, under the box, beside the box, and behind the box, but he can't find the trash bin in McDonald's and empty his trash into it. He can sit in a circle with appropriate behavior and sing songs and play Duck Duck Goose, but nobody else in the neighborhood his age seems to want to do that. I guess he's just not ready yet. There are a lot of parts that go into an individual education plan or an IEP. 
but probably the one that you spend the most time with interacting with writing, working with a kid because of would be the goals. As such, like the poem I introduced earlier, we should be really careful about the types of IEP goals that we assign. I think it is pointless for a child to sit and put pegs and a board over and over and over again when there might be other ways of teaching the student the same hand skills or eye coordination skills or whatever it is you're looking for that can be done instead. And maybe it can be a game between you and the student or between that student and another student. Maybe you're working with quarters and dropping those into something, sorting the quarters for maybe an in-class store, anything along those lines that's functional. You want to look at the future for the child. What is the future needs of that child going to be? I do understand having taught for a while that there are sometimes goals that you end up with that aren't as functional as you wish they could be, but they do lead to a more functional IEP goal. Make sure when that kid meets the IEP goal you have currently that's not functional, you jump as soon as you can into a functional IEP goal. This is why I'm a huge proponent for kids that have moderate, moderate, severe, that are in a separate setting be able to go out into the community and learn these skills in the community. So sometimes you have to prep them and you have to teach them those skills in the classroom, but you're immediately taking them out into the community and showing them how that really works. I would take my kids, for example, on the bus and on the bus getting onto it, they have to put their money in. So right there, you're practicing the coin dropping that you were doing inside of the classroom into a bin. And then there are the times you need to use money to buy something. I'd let them go to the dollar store and buy one thing and then teach them next dollar up. So right there, just handling the money, you've worked on maybe two IEP goals, learning next dollar up, the coordination of the coins and how much to use to get onto the bus and things like that. So I'm very strong proponent of community outings with classes. If you can at all work with the parents and work with the admin to be able to go out, even if it's only a couple times a month, at least they've got these skills that they're learning in the classroom and they're immediately learning to use that out in the community. And I say, go as young as you can. When I worked in a preschool, we would take the kids out and the kids would learn all about these different things in the community and it applied to them immediately rather than this abstract thing of dropping coins into a bucket. That just, don't you think that if you got stuck all day doing something like that, that you would go a little bit crazy because you were stuck doing the same thing repetitively and there was no meaning behind it? Just keep that in mind when you are creating these IEP goals and what are the functional IEP goals that you can focus on? And any kid can work on these skills, but one is, would be the normal counting of money. But I say be a little careful about how much time you spend on it because nowadays everything is credit card, debit card, phone uh, to buy things. And we don't really need to handle as much in the quarters and the dimes and stuff. If you want to use the real money maybe to play games with or to teach them what, you know, quarter being one of four and dime one of ten and count by tens, ten, twenty. That's some use of the change, but you're also doing something slightly more functional because we really just aren't using money anymore. Of course, also, I don't want to leave out using paper money 
is also important because you need to be able to tip people. Sometimes you just want to buy a, a thing of gum and as a result, all you really need to do is just hand them a dollar or two to get your gum. So in that sense, yeah, focus on the dollar bills and fives and tens, what have you. But don't spend, my opinion, don't spend quite as much time on the smaller change just because we don't really use it as much. And is that going to be a good use of their time? I always ask myself that. Is it a good use of their time? We get them until they're 22 and then they're gone. And then we have to hope that we've set them up for success. And to me, that means we're setting them up for success with successful, functional IEP goals. A bizarre goal that seems to happen to a lot of my students is the tying of shoes. I agree it's an important skill, but there's so many types of shoes nowadays that kids can get on and off without needing to tie a knot of any kind that I would put first in that goal, student will learn to put on own shoes without having to tie laces. I think we tend to get stuck sometimes in what was important when we were younger to know how to do. And tying laces is one of those first things they attacked you with when you're little because they don't want to be stuck tying your shoes all the time. And I agree with that. But nowadays with all the different types of shoes on, slip-ons, Velcro, although the Velcro is kind of iffy, um, just look for cute shoes Get them putting those on a variety of different ones on their own and then start bringing in tying the knots and the bows and things like that because those are skills to have and that are important to have, you know, to tie a bow. And it will be important to be able to tie their own shoes if they do end up with shoes with laces. But I just think when they're little, let's turn our focus to can they get their shoes on versus Let's sit down here in the hallway practicing tying your shoes so you can go out with your friends and oh no, we ran out of time so you don't get recessed today because I insisted you had to learn how to tie your shoes before going out. So I would ask parents, send your kids to school with shoes without shoelaces that will stay on, that kids find comfortable and enjoy wearing. There's lots of cute things out there. So that's my thinking and opinion on that particular goal. A lot of people don't agree with me on it, but to me it makes sense that the child get the time at recess and knowing how to put on slip-ons because that's what I prefer, clicks or slip-ons, anything but having to sit down and tie my shoelaces and then they come untied and you got to do it again and then you double knot them and the kids can't get them undone and all sorts of stuff. Another IEP goal I like to see come up is using the microwave. And using the microwave, you've got so many opportunities for goals. You have numbers, you have time, you have coordination, you have picking out what they want, especially if you go to a community outing, they pick out something within their $5. At some point, they have to learn how to get it out safely on their own. They have to learn to clean it when it gets dirty. They have to learn to clean their own dishes when they are done with the meal for the day. You can see all the different steps following a recipe. Most of you know about all the different steps it takes to follow a recipe. And right there, you've got another bunch of IEP goals built right in and it's all functional. One period, one day a week, you can cover all those IEP goals in one set that means something to the kids. And the parents, I've had them be amazed to come downstairs and find their kid eating cooked macaroni and cheese that they did from the microwave, the instant kind. And 
they were so happy and they cried because they didn't think their child would ever be able to learn anything like that. And this child generalized from the classroom microwave to the home microwave. So that's pretty cool. Another one would be brushing their teeth. It's a functional skill. You also have to have hand-eye coordination. You have to be able to get that toothpaste onto the toothbrush and how much water to use to avoid forcing the toothpaste off the brush. There's science that is there. How do you clean? How does it clean? How can you show them how it gets clean? You have science in biology where they have to learn about their mouth and all the different parts of it and why the acid does or does not work. It depends, you know, I know on the level of your child's functioning, but you have so many things just in brushing the teeth and it's a functional goal because that is something they need to be able to do twice a day for the rest of their life. Games, it's another one that sort of seems odd, but if you think about it, a lot of games require the use of math. A lot of games require the use of predictive logic. Most games require social skills. So right in just those things right there, you can see how many different avenues there are to IEP goals in learning to play a game. It's not a silly time. It's actually a time that can be used as a instructional time, especially if you can get other kids involved with playing those games together. That's huge. Our kids need to know how to interact and be with and play with kids that are not the same as they are. And if you can manage to bring in kids, if the kid is in a self-contained classroom, if you can manage to bring in kids from one of the gen ed classrooms to play with your students, you've got a lot going for you right there. And think about how much work it is, but how little work too, because the peers are helping teach those concepts as well. All right, now reading. Reading's a tricky one because some kids pick it up with no problem. Some kids just don't seem to ever be able to get the concept of alphabets and sounds. And some kids, most kids fall kind of in the middle there. I would say the same thing as I have for the last couple goals. Look at it, figure out how you can make it functional. Don't just teach them uh, silly children's rhymes and poems just because they're easier to teach them to read. Include in the instruction writing shopping lists, writing what they are going to get at McDonald's on your field trip, writing, reading a menu for their favorite food, maybe have it printed up from the internet for McDonald's and then they pick out of that and write down what they want. Just you have to be somewhat creative, especially the older they get, because they're just not going to get away with things the way that a younger child would be able to. So math. I am not a big math person at all. I wish I was more so. But if you look around, you can see lots of opportunities for all kinds of math to come into play that you may not have even thought about using as math. And the more functional, again, the better it is because the child will practice it forever. So where can you find math? Calendar time. Calendar time is a perfect place to work on math. I always had my students have an individual calendar in front of them with pens. And we would go over the calendar, the big calendar that I had together, and they would mark out the day of the week. Then we would count. We would skip count. We would count by fives. We would try to figure out if it's the third, how many days into the fifth. All those different little things just built into calendar time. And that is practical and functional math. Other things you can do, 
depending on their age, would be how many steps it takes them to go from point A to point B. Another one that I liked doing was you take a string, each kid gets it, and they measure things using the string. And so it would be, oh, it's one string, it's half a string, it's a quarter of a string. Or they would take the string and line it up to a straight ruler and then say, oh, that was three feet long or whatever it is they got. And I would give them a list of things and they would have to go around the classroom and measure those things out. And the older the group was and the more functional the group was, then I'd send them outside and have them measuring trees and all kinds of things. It is a really good use and simple to do to teach these kids measurement instead of focusing on the numbers right off. They're just focusing on the string. So your end goal on that one could just be the student will learn how to measure five items with 90% accuracy, two out of three given opportunities as measured by observation and data keeping. Right there, you've got that IEP goal set and it's a complicated one and yet one that younger kids can do. Don't let anybody try to convince you that social skills isn't a good or a valid goal. It is. Social skills is probably one of the most important things because as we do, they will be interacting with the world and if they don't have good social skills, they could get either into trouble or be treated like they are not as significant as other people and that is not true. So we want them to be as highly functional in social skills as we can possibly get them. And there's a lots of opportunity for that. They can always practice the pleases and thank yous, polite manners. I think that that does make a valid goal because any age should be doing that. Uh, what are some other ones that we can come up with? Being able to shake hands with somebody right now during COVID, maybe not so much, maybe now fist bumps instead. Being able to hold the conversation and stay on topic for most of the conversation. I don't know if you've ever had the kids that you'll be talking about their favorite soda and then suddenly they start talking about cats and dogs raining from the sky. I've had that conversation. And so obviously I redirected it back to the soda. And so I think maybe even just teaching the kids how to transition between conversation topics would be a good skill but for some of our kiddos it might take them a while to even get to that point we just want them to participate participate equally participate actively and participate in such a way that people enjoy talking and hanging out with them that's what we really want that's like, isn't that like the big part of life just hanging out with other people getting to know them them getting to know us learning how to be there for a friend learning how to listen to people. I think those are just such crucial things that we forget. I think the average student and child should be working on those skills far more than what we teach them nowadays. They all so much have their noses in tech that we just, we just forget that we need to have them out there and having fun with their friends to learn social skills. So see if you can find a way to increase social skills time and look for an IEP goal that can match up to the situation that you've been able to arrange. Social studies. I always found social studies a bit of a complicated subject because I had so many other things I wanted to teach them. Taking a pause in the middle of the day to work with them on social studies was a bit challenging. But it kind of depends too. What does your school think of social studies? What's the curriculum they require? 
what are the standards that your school goes by to teach social studies? And you want to stick to that as close as possible, but at the same time, they may need a lot more background or just basic knowledge in this particular subject and area. You may just only get one day a month that is very, very, very detailed about it and the kids participate in activities throughout the day. I would say you probably want to do more like once a week, but your schedule's crowded, the IEP goals, there's a lot of them to meet. So you just have to do the best that you can, but don't skip over social studies. I would also, when I had the older kids, would read them books that were, um, they were high interest and low vocab. So the kids could follow along without any issues, but the interest of it was higher than it would be if I was reading out of like a first grade book where the vocabulary level really was. Don't let anyone ever fool you or say any different. Being a special education teacher, whether you're itinerant, a specialist, or you are in your own classroom with students, it takes a lot of creativity, a lot of imagination, a lot of endurance, and a lot of wisdom as to where and what your students need. For those of you who've only been doing it a couple of years, I promise you it gets easier as far as the teaching aspect, but I won't promise you anything regarding the politics of your district one way or another. But the kids, you get all these different activities that different kids like. You get the experience of, wow, that didn't work, or if I'm going to do that, I need to do this first. All that stuff starts to come easier and easier, and I do recommend write down your favorite lessons and put them somewhere because you may want to refer back to them again in the future. I had the challenge of being moved around with age groups, so it I ended up with a lot more lessons, I think, stuck into that particular folder than a lot of teachers do, but... It's, um, it does. It, just the feel of what you're doing with the population you're working with, it does get easier. Trust that. Well, that's all for now. I will come back to this probably repeatedly mixed in with other conversations. I feel functional goals are very important for our students. And I hope you keep that in mind as you write IAP goals for your current students that you have now and students you have in the future. And I think you'll see a lot of progress with the kids when they start finding meaning behind what they're being asked to do. And now we have reached the end of another podcast having to do with special education and functional goals. I really hope as you write goals for your students or parents, if you're working with the teachers to write the goals, always keep that in mind. Always keep what is this goal going to do for the future of my child or my student? please think about that. I'll come back to it probably over and over over time, but I think it's a crucial thing. And on that note, we have reached the end of another podcast. I really hope the information I'm providing ends up helping you out with caring for your student with special needs or with your child. Jojo Sterling and I wish you a happy time and look forward to being able to provide more useful information for you in the future.